The Super Prep Saturday edition of the Notorious OTV on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to cut.com. That's K-U-T-T.com and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And we're also brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon. The guys just dropped their bonus behind-the-scenes episode for Sean winning $200,000. Plus, this week's Pick'em prize is a free $250 Super Bowl square. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Patreon to join today. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTV, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And folks, as always, it's all good, baby, baby. Uh, it was all a dream. We used to read Blood Horse Magazine. I got my Cuban Yes, list. Cuban B. I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oakland. I got ice all over my body, looking like a snowman. Big rocks in the grill, dancing like a slow jam. My chain's so heavy, I'm walking like an old man. Try me, you I think maybe for this episode, I could just go by the name Rongy McRongerson. Um, welcome to the show, someone who apparently I've been mispronouncing her last name for uh, ever. Uh, <laughs> Sarah Elbadwe, not Elbadwe, like I've been saying, like a dick. That's my bad, Sarah. Also, I might have uh, insinuated that she had a degree in, li- in liberal arts uh, yesterday on yesterday's show. That is not correct. She has a, a degree in, in equine sciences, which is... Uh, uh way cooler than a liberal arts degree uh sarah my humblest apologies and welcome to the show i feel like you just made me sound like i have more potential than i actually do and for that i appreciate you because el Bodway makes it seem like i'm going somewhere like i'm on my way to something special versus uh how it's actually pronounced and i didn't catch it until i listened to your episode yesterday and that's when i i found out that I maybe seemed like the type that had a liberal arts degree and I feel like I, it could be worse. So um, it, it's okay. At least you thought that I had a degree. <laughs> hey, you know, it's funny. We were talking about it. I was like, you know, Hey, don't, don't feel bad. Cause I put off the vibe of like, I got like an associate's degree from like a, you know, a, a vaunted HVAC uh, teaching facility. And uh, you mentioned that I, I put off the teacher vibes and it reminded me to tell you about how my, when I used to box, I was, I was a boxer for a little bit. And by, by that, I mean, like I joined a boxing gym in like my mid twenties, that was like me and urban youths. And so whenever like I sparred with the urban youths, it was like, they got a chance to like take a crack at someone who looked like their biology teacher probably, you know? And so one of the guys, like I ended up, you know, I quit after I got my nose broke, like real good one time. And, um, you know, a few years later, I was at Walmart and the guy was was checking me out at Walmart. And I was like, you know what? I won the war here. I won the war. But then I felt bad. I felt like I had failed him as a teacher, too, at the same time. I mean, weren't you just instilling confidence in your students that they were able to break your nose? I got I, I think so. I think so. Like, I, I, sw- I, I swear I was. I was, yeah, I was just an amount, maybe I did raise him to that next level. He could have, he could have not been working at Walmart. You know, I hear they have a great, uh, ownership, you know, you know, buy shares program with the, with the the company. Um, anywho, anywho, what are we going to talk about today? We got four Kentucky Derby 
preps this Saturday. I'm calling it Super Prep Saturday because uh, uh, Super Tuesday was already taken and it doesn't happen on a Tuesday. So I'm, I'm rolling with Super uh, Super Prep Saturday. Uh, we've got four grade threes, all of them preps or prep races, the Withers at Aqueduct, the RB Lewis at Santa Anita, the Holy Bull at Gulfstream, and of course, uh, the big one uh, in terms of purse and prestige. Nah, that's probably not true, but at least in purse, the Southwest at Oaklawn Park. Uh, Sarah, what I mean, just overall impression of some of these races. Did you have anything, uh, a, a major theme that you kind of picked out on? It's always nice to see full fields in, in all of these prep races. I know sometimes we can be looking at more compact fields when we look at the winter prep races and aqueduct like we got in the Jerome or especially over at Santa Anita you often see those more compact six horse fields that have a lot of horses going out for similar connections because that's just sort of the theme that we've seen lately with California racing so it was nice to see full fields in all of these races I think that they're all uh, decent betting opportunities there's a couple favorites I'm not trying to beat but there are a lot of long shots that I think you could use for some value underneath and as another sort of overarching theme, there's a lot of horses that showed something different in their start last time in terms of running style or overcoming some sort of trouble that perhaps leads you to believe that they have a lot more to offer going forwards rather than some other horses that have had everything go their own way as of late. Well, let's go ahead. Let's jump into it and let's talk about uh, your neck of the woods. Uh, the grade three withers at Aqueduct. That's race nine. It's nine furlongs, $250,000. And like I said, grade three, uh, it's the longest of the prep races today. Uh, and in this race, we might have a bunch of one turn horses uh, or low value plays on horses going two turns for the first time, I guess I would say. Uh, I really thought there were two horses here that I could key into this race they actually have a little bit of two-turn form. And that's kind of what I tried to use to separate it because it's it's not common to necessarily go two turns at Aqueduct. True. And I think that having that experience doing so, it's not nothing. So I can probably guess which horses you're referring to. But I did go kind of in a different direction for who I liked in this race. And I think light line for Brad Cox coming in it ends up being sort of the real deal. I know that he finished second in his last two races, but he really demonstrated a difference in his running style in his last start, being taken all the way to last in that race at Oaklawn after a little bit of time off and finishing a very clear second behind a horse that I think could vie for favoritism later on in the Southwest. And even when he finished second at Keeneland, that was to stretch ride who's turning out to be a pretty solid horse for one of your favorite trainers and Dale Roman. So I think showing that versatility where he can be a bit more tactical in his running style is really going to come into play in here where you could have a couple of horses that are interested in being close to the front end early on. I kind of thought that you might really want to key in on, on some horses that, you know, have, have, you know, run fairly well recently that, might have shipped in from another place that that could be coming in from outside the fold. I I my top pick ended up being the five Seminole Chief at twelve to one. I mean, sure these horses are are you know the horses coming from restricted stakes races, but the horse actually has experience going two turns and just a half furlong shorter than than the race you know today. Sisterton, I mean, trains a good horse, and the big step forward in the two turn race really explains the presence here in New York to me. Like, I think if the horse hadn't showed out going eight and a half furlongs, there's no way that it makes it its way to New York, which probably is pretty obvious and didn't need to say. But uh, the other one I really kind of liked, I, 
I I'm a sucker for park shipper, Sarah. I, I liked the eight uncle heavy at 10 to one. I, I always think the park shippers are, are dangerous. And this one coming off a two turn state bread race. And this one had trouble last out in the stakes win and still managed to get up kind of what you alert, alluded to. I, I don't think it should sit more than about three off the early pace. I think it will put, you know, uncle heavy in the mix late as some of the one turn speed starts to kind of come back to the field. I think Uncle Heavy makes a lot of sense. I mean, he completely missed the break in that start two back coming in from uh, Parks, as you mentioned. He actually ran on pretty well, I thought, after being really taken out of things early on to to finish even fifth in that race. And then better start last time, even though he didn't break quite as quickly and was able to get the job done there. Uh, and as far as Seminole Chief, that is my value play in here. I think that adding the blinkers last time really helped this horse get more clued into his race and what was going on. He was a lot more forward in that race in comparison to his race two starts ago at Gulfstream where he just seemed kind of lost where he was sort of on the inside of horses and, and sort of flat down the lane and late to switch leads in there. It really does seem like for him, he's figured things out with the addition of that equipment and that's really helped him to turn in a more professional effort, which I think knowing that he can have that closer type type of mid-pack trip in this race or even be in a more of a stocking position I think he could take another step forward in here and I, I also thought that the price would be fair on both of those horses yeah well, now do you have any take on how the track plays going two turns on on the dirt here I think that in general at Aqueduct, uh, you want to be forwardly placed, but I think that we've just seen a, a fair surface overall in terms of where you can close, where you can be forward, where you can sit uh, mid-pack, and I think that it really does uh, play to all running styles. I think that more often than not, when we do see a bias as far as how the track is playing, it's due to some sort of weather, and we shouldn't have uh, things really change too much as far as this weekend. We should be still seeing a fast main track uh, on Saturday, so I don't think that we're likely to see any sort of uh, rail advantage or speed advantage in particular going into this weekend. I think that it's, it's the moisture in the track that really does make a difference in terms of how the track plays. Okay, that's Take that with you. Write that down in your little books, folks. Uh, right. Also, while you're while you're writing things down, don't forget to join the SGP Patreon. The guys who dropped this month's bonus episode, behind the scenes breakdown of Sean's two hundred thousand dollar win. This week's Patreon pick'em prize is a free two hundred fifty dollars Super Bowl square, plus access to all the pick sheets and exclusive channels on Discord. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon and. As always, we're brought to you by the good folks at Underdog Fantasy who have a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on some of your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. You can win up to 100 times with some spicy plays. My favorite underdog pick for today's show is everything lower. Take everything to the lower level. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up for promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SGPN. And if you excuse me, I need to get a brief hydration interlude in all right moving on we go to the west coast um where some because it rhymes argue is the best coast um i have no i don't have a dog in this fight so i'm, I'm not choosing sides um the Robert B. Lewis race five at Gulf or sorry, Gulfstream Santa Anita, the $200,000 grade three Robert B. Lewis going one mile 
Uh, is Bob a vindictive bastard? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, he is. I think there's a good chance that this, yeah, that his horses are the trifecta in this race. And there are therefore maybe zero value in this race at all. It's completely possible. And we see that happen pretty frequently where this could have been a race where you have just a, a field of a couple of his horses and maybe two others. But I, I do like to see that at least other trainers and other connections are taking a shot in this race for those points that are on the line for those other horses to head towards the Kentucky Derby, because we could have seen a lot less of an interesting betting race. And, and while it's still perfectly possible that he might be filling out the trifecta with his runners, at least there are alternative options to look at if you do choose to do so. Yeah, I, you know, my top pick is, I mean, I think there's one horse here who kind of towers that I'm pretty certain is going to win the race. And it's the six Nysos. And there, there's not a ton that I can really say for Nysos other than he's big and he run fast. Um, that's kind of the story of the, of the of this Bob horse. Uh, I'm with you. I think there, if you look outside the Bobs, you can maybe get a little bit of value with a, a horse like the number seven stronghold. Uh, I, I think this is the most competitive non-Bob horse in the race. I mean, it will have to run hard to get a piece, and it might only round out an exactor or a try, but I, I think it's where it might present the most value uh, kicking a Bob Baffert horse out of the, the try or exacta. And has faced some of his runners before, if you look at that Los Alamitos Derby. So you at least know that this one can kind of be on that same competitive level. I think Nysos is going to win this race as well. I wasn't trying to beat him. He's just faster than the other horses that he's going to be facing in here. If he replicates his first or his second start, he's going to win this race. I like that in his last start, he was able to show a different dimension, sitting off of the pace. And, and while he wasn't far off of things at all, at least he was able to rate kindly with taking those blinkers off, handling that stretch out in distance effectively. And I think that he can be sitting wherever Flavian Pratt chooses to sit him. And I think that that's a rider that it's going to read a race correctly in real time to give him his best chance of winning. So I had nothing against him. I couldn't find a, a, an alternative to try to beat him with. But as far as somebody underneath for value, I think that uh, the number three better than gold is a horse that really did improve with more distance. And while he was coming from really far out of things over at Del Mar, he will need to sit a little bit closer to be effective at Santa Anita. And if you don't think that he's going to be able to close as much ground, maybe you want a horse like Scatify, the number nine, who might be able to sit a little bit closer and did defeat a pretty heavily favored Bob Baffert runner over at Los Al. And that was a, a decent first time out buyer speed figure for him. So another step forward could put him right in the mix to sort of challenge a horse like Nizos, but everybody has to get quite a bit faster. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, but I also, I was, I'm glad you said Scatify because I was going to bring the horse up if you, if you, you didn't. And, and, you know, the horse hit the gate uh, last time out and still managed to run a pretty good race and could take another step forward. And it seems like these Justify babies have just been red hot as of late. So uh, I, I think the, the pedigree drew my eye to it. And then that's, then I, you know, upon further investigations where I kind of saw the trouble. So I, I'm with you. I think that that's a little bit of value there too. All right, moving on. Uh, not quite the big one, but the uh, big, biggish one. The Holy Bull race 12, eight and a half furlongs, $250,000, a grade three at Gulfstream Park. Uh, and in, to be honest, this is another prep where I don't know if the chalk can actually be beaten here. Uh, if the favorite runs back to anything close to what this one ran in the BC Juvie after going on the shelf, then it's going to be a walkover. What, what did you think? As far as 
three-year-olds in general, it's fierceness and everybody else. If he comes back with anything like the Byers P figure that he earned in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, because he has a high ceiling as far as how fast he is in comparison to what some of these other horses still have yet to do. And I think perhaps the only potential knock with a horse like this is that there is that race in the Champagne where he threw in a complete clunker. Maybe he just didn't appreciate the way that that surface was playing that day with all the moisture that it had in it. But at the same time, I guess that you do have to be a little bit nervous that he is capable of not showing up with his best performance. But his best performance is better than any other three-year-old that we have seen as of yet. So I didn't really see another reason to think that he would be a no-show on a day like this. And and if you do doubt him and, and you want to take a shot against it three to five, go for it. But I don't really see anybody in here that looks so much on the come up to be able to sort of contend with the triple digit buyer speed figure. If that's what he runs back. Yeah. I, everything that you just said, basically. Yes, I agree. I completely agree too. Plus there's that lightning workout on January 20th, five furlongs and 59 and two damn. Then followed by the nice slow four furlong leg stretcher. Just the pattern that I really like to see. Uh, everything about fierceness just looks good and primed to fire here uh, for Rapoli, who, who knows, might have his derby horse in the, in the form of fierceness here. Um, I think you kind of thought that maybe you need to try to find your value underneath, and I, I'm using the one Hades at 6-1 to one as my value pick with uh, Paco Lopez you know, up on the local horse for Joseph Orsino. And this horse just hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, it stepped up with the increase in distance last out from five half to seven furlongs first run on the early speed running style that, that might put Hades in a spot to chase down fierceness late but honestly it seems unlikely and this is the horse that I think could sneakily win a battle for second as fierceness runs away you know way out ahead of this field Hades uh ruler of the underworld I thought that his last race was actually really visually impressive so I think that he took a big step forward in terms of his debut to that last out performance and maybe has another step forward uh, that could put him in the mix for my value play, I went towards the outside with Sea Streak, who uh, is a son of Sea Wizard, who I'm very quickly becoming a fan of as a stallion who's only had very limited opportunities in terms of his offspring. But he has like a crazy debut success rate with his first time starters of over 40% from only under 20 offspring to make it to the races, which is pretty incredible when you think about what kind of horses are, are getting to go first time out for him. And I thought that this horse actually ran really well uh, in the in the race last time when he lost to Otello because he was adding blinkers and having more forward position than he had had in any of his other starts where he had come from off the pace. And I thought that he actually battled on pretty gamely to end up finishing behind other horses in here that are going to be shorter prices than he is because they might have more of the obvious trips where they were waiting for clean racing room. But Sea Streak was the one doing all the dirty work with a huge long shot on the front end. So I thought that maybe if that long shot had not been in that race, he would have finished a lot uh, more in the mix and closer than a horse like Otello who got a decent trip, even though he had to angle out for clear running room and even in bageled with the same type of situation where he was behind horses and had to angle out. So at the biggest price of them all and having that forward position, I thought that Sea Streak was pretty interesting to try to get in underneath in an exacta somewhere. Man, how happy do they have to be with that horse at Holly Crest Farm? Considering, <laughs> see, what well, I, I, I'm glad you said something about Sea Wizard. That's really interesting. I hadn't heard, you know, that's not something that I'd heard yet. So I'm glad that I'm hearing it from you, someone I trust. Uh, 
uh, wow, stud fee of $1,500. And now, I mean, a horse that looks like it could maybe take a step forward in the Holy Bowl. Congratulations to the folks at Holly Crest Farm in New Jersey, man. Way to go. Good eye. Good eye, Holly Crest Farm with the homebred. Yeah, it's pretty oh. crazy. I mean, to think of like some of these stallions like him, like Slumber, another one that comes to mind about really having these limited opportunities, but having a lot of high pro profile, successful offspring. It's it's kind of incredible what they get to do with very few foals to actually go on and race. That's what I'm talking about right there. I need to need to get one of these guys lined up to get my dream Arky bread set up, you know, bread for like. 1600 bucks but it wins all these $115,000 races that's the that's the the major plan um <laughs> speaking of major plans I don't know I don't know how this fits but cut cut is a peer-to-peer -peer social betting platform that's U.S. based and available in 40 states peer-to-peer -peer social betting is new and better way to bet bet directly against your friends or other users on sports politics pop culture and other events with verifiable outcomes plus there are tons of fun social features that give it the feel of a betting social network Cut offers a lower VIG and fully customizable odds, and you can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to chase anyone down for money. Plus, it's got social features like group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head -head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. And Cut also allows you to list almost any kind of bet perfect for getting action on those fun Super Bowl prop bets. Cut is the peer-to-peer -peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com. That's K-U-T-T.com. And use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And as always, we are brought to you by the good nerds of Hall of Fame Bets. We want you to win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season. With Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea in a Hall of Fame Bets revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with hall of fame bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays download the hall of fame bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code sgpn to get 50 percent off your first month day month today start researching start winning with hall of fame bets oh i'll be back after i Rehydrate here. Brett, hit me with the horse, man. Y'all ready? Let's go. Oh, no. Let's go. Y'all ready? Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. The the perfect hype music uh, for a three year old uh, stakes race in Arkansas. Uh, let me clear my throat. I've always said, um, yeah, we're taking a look at the Southwest. That's race 11, eight and a half furlongs, $800,000. Grade three. It's a. Uh, it's the big one in terms of, of purse. I think it, it attracted a pretty salty field, very full field at two. Even though this was a race that they had to push back a little bit because of some winter weather, I think that you're still seeing a really solid group of horses. And as you mentioned, a full field of 12 in what I think is a really interesting betting race. And I could make a case for, you know, seven, maybe eight of these horses to actually find themselves in the winter circle. So I think that you'll see a pretty even betting board amongst the top contenders for this race. And, and it could definitely be the one that produces the most value in terms of your wagering of the four that we've talked about. Yeah. Now it is worth noting. It looks like there is some weather due in in Hot Springs. Go figure. Uh, for for the uh, the Southwest, it's just the time of year. It's this time of year that the weather is always wet. But by the time the the spring rolls around, it dries out a little bit. Um, 
yeah uh so there's a little bit of weather i tried to take that into account and then also i mean matthew's been doing his his track stat stuff for naira bets and some pretty interesting stuff and what he was showing was that uh horses coming from off the pace in in the wet at oakland are doing kind of well so i tried to kind of key in on that i didn't have any luck picking winners doing that last week but i had a bunch of really good horses run second so it makes me think that i'm seeing the ball fairly well I'm hoping at least. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I tried to key into. What what did you think of the Southwest? I think that the pace projects to be pretty honest in this race. I think you have a lot of horses that might be more suited to sprints later on uh, in terms of where they go with their careers following the attempts to be on the Kentucky Derby Trail. And you have a lot of horses that have had their best success being forwardly placed. So I think that you will be seeing some heavy hitting up front in this race, and it could set up well for horses coming from off the pace. And just as you mentioned, that's a move that has been shown to be successful more so at Oakland than some of these other racetracks like Santa Anita, like heading over to Gulfstream, for example. So I think that it's it's more of a fair playing service in terms of those closers having an opportunity to be successful in this race. So it was kind of a, an all closers type of deal for me with liberal arts on top, who is the horse that just seemed like the classiest one of those closers that I was considering with what he's done so far on the racetrack and where I think he's going to sit in this race as well as his buyer speed figures coming into it in terms of where they match up and being higher than some of the other horses that are bigger prices, but I've yet to kind of prove it in terms of whether or not they'll be classing up, even if they get the setup. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Well, I mean, I already had a clue that, that you, Crystal clued me in that we liked the same horse yesterday. Yeah, so. that's because you thought I had a liberal arts degree, you jerks. Well, yeah, that's true. That, that is the, <laughs> the insinuation that was made. Um, yeah, I think this one just might be ready to fire. And, and everything that you pretty much mentioned, plus, a, you know, not necessarily a track bias, but a fair track that will chew up early speed when there's too, way too much of it. And I think you have maybe way too much of it. Um, my value pick, I went, uh, I'm sticking with it. I said it yesterday. The 11 just steal at eight to one. Uh, Wayne Lucas, he'll never be too old for horse racing. He will be 105 and still training winners of these prep races. And I, I think that he's got a fairly good one here with, uh, with you know, just steal. Uh, I think it's going to benefit from the, the wide post. And I love this one, you know, where it will be sitting in during the race uh, about mid pack. Uh, should really love running this distance again after you know getting nipped late and placing the first time it got a crack at the eight and a half furlongs. So uh, I, I'm hoping for another successful Justify baby with just steel. You know, I really didn't think that he was going to appreciate more ground to work with going into that Smarty Jones race, and and he proved me completely wrong. I mean, he he had no business running as well as he did in that race. It was a very game effort where he was more forward than the horse that was eventually winning and got a really great setup in catching freedom, and I think that he really showed a, a more, more grit and determination in that race, so I think... He certainly looks to be very live coming into this race. I just didn't know that he might end up getting nipped late in here with all the pace that's signed on. But he was really game last time. I definitely don't blame you for taking another look at him. And I think he'll be a fair enough price. But as far as my value plays in here, I wanted to go for the biggest long shots in this race that I thought would be coming late. And I think that Magic Grant, the number three horse, is one that when he broke his maiden, he was coming
coming from way far off of it and then actually getting himself involved in that springboard mile at Remington behind horses like Otto the Conqueror and Glen Gary and Otto the Conqueror is going to be such a short fraction of the price that he's going to be but with more pace on he was getting himself into that photo between the two of them and I think that he could get the right kind of trip in this race uh, as well as the maiden linebacker putting the blinkers on this horse likes to come from far out of it and has just been missing uh, against some good maidens in his races and and he actually had a little bit more of a trip than it looks like losing position in his last race sort of midway going into the top of the stretch in there and as well as common defense for Ken McPeak this is another horse that was coming from off the pace who actually ran pretty well to break his maiden last time. So I, I would sort of play around with all three of those horses underneath a horse like liberal arts. I like it. I like it quite a bit. Uh, even, you know, taking a, a deeper look into that, that three, I mean, the horse broke its maiden in the clever Trevor at, at, at a Remington park like that people, you know, that you kind of perk up the ears a little bit whenever you see a horse that's at, actually getting its maiden score in a stakes race um, a little bit. And so, seeing that it's improved every single time and that, that finish, like you said, in the, uh, in the springboard mile, it's something that, I mean, definitely uh, was not hip to until you started mentioning it, but the more I look at it, the more I really like it too. Uh, that looks pretty good. I, I do like that play there, uh, Sarah. Uh, I think the Hortons also want to win at Oakland as well. So I think that that's a very live, uh, live horse coming in here that it could definitely outrun his odds. That's for sure. It's uh, interesting. No one mentioned on the rail uh, the, for the boys in blue. Say this. Say go, DJ. Because that my dolphin. Go dolphin. Is he really going to be the favorite? I don't know. I, it feels weird making a Michael Stidham horse. I think up. not. <laughs> yeah. And a prep at Oakland. I feel like the money doesn't, doesn't really flow to Stidham like it will flow to someone like Steve Asmussen or... Uh, isn't isn't Carbone or Winstock going to be favored? I mean, I, just having that big jump up in, in terms of his buyer speed figure in that off the turf race at fairgrounds, those numbers tend to not necessarily be reliable to be replicable. So I, I just don't really trust him. I mean, not, not to mention Winstock won from a rail post position at Losal. He is what I like to call a Lars, a Losal rail shipper, uh, because it's notoriously bad on the inside there at Losal. Um yeah, I, I think you're going to get Winstock. And like I said, I think Bob is a vindictive dick and he wants to steal as many, like just Mr. Grinch, as many Kentucky Derby points as he possibly can. And like I said, I, you know, I said it, I went on this tangent yesterday. I'm going to go back on it again. Just like big shout out to Bob Baffert. You are the goat of giving us horse racing podcasters something to talk about. Like, thank you. <laughs> it's really crazy that it's still such a, a topic of conversation after this much time to be still analyzing these kinds of horses that are not capable of earning points on the Derby trail and seems a little bit more vindictive by Churchill Downs at this point to really keep pushing that data up. And I know that a lot of the connections are really pushing the narrative of the loyalty that they're showing him. I think that it's also because they're not getting results when they make the trainer switch. So why don't they just keep the horse with the barn that he's doing well in and go on for the Preakness or the Belmont yeah. or some of those later summer races or the Breeders' Cup? Missing one race where you're going to finish 12th and, and use your horse that could be winning races like the Preakness, the Belmont, and those later races for those three-year-olds and challenge older by the end of the year, it's not worth it. 
So I think that it's not necessarily all about sticking true to their trainer. It's because they're not getting their horses to perform the same way for other trainers. It's something that's been proven over the last two years. And so now having those horses go to different barns, it's not working. So why would you keep doing it? Yeah. I mean, I, a prick, prick, last time I checked, Prick is still a triple crown race. So is a Belmont. I mean, it's you're not not everyone's going to win the triple crown and i think as soon as you're honest with yourself about what your horse's prospects are you're right it probably does make more sense to skip out and just you know pick your spots a little bit better or you know have the edge on horses that were coming out of the kentucky derby you know worn out after running a 20 horse race probably traumatized from that gate break you know and a horse like Taba, I think, perfectly exemplifies that of uh, one that was favored for a short period of time going into the Kentucky Derby based on those three races that he he had you know shown beforehand. And where did he finish? 12. I mean, it's just not a formula that's had success. Messier didn't work out. Reincarnate didn't work out. So uh, now it's, it's more of a situation where they might as well keep with what's working for their animal and not change things that have proven for them over time that it doesn't work. Yeah. It'd be nice just to just finally have a resolution to what's turned into like a two year pissing match essentially too. And at this point it's like, is it worth it? And I think the answer for everyone involved is no. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Oh, Sarah, uh, you, what do you got going on this weekend? Are you going to be uh, on air for, uh, for any of these races? Uh, I will be on Saturday in the earlier portion of the card covering some Oaklawn, some Aqueduct, and even a couple stakes at Tampa as well. So we've got uh, coverage all over the place. And then uh, Sunday, talking horses for that Sunday card that I think has yet to come out as of this recording. But it should be a fun day covering uh, enhanced coverage at Oaklawn with all of those stakes races. It's not just the Southwest. There's plenty of other stakes on the card. And, of course, the cross-country pick five is an all-stakes one on Saturday as well aqueduct tampa oakland so those are super fun to get involved with and they've been paying very well yep absolutely so check those out make sure you give uh sarah a watch on america's day at the races or give her a watch on talking horses either place uh we are mighty proud of her even though we pronounced her last statement correctly <laughs> and we and, and we attribute false degrees to her um Sarah, thank you for coming on. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. I guess I'm going to be taking a look at the, the rest of the uh, graded stakes at Gulfstream for a Holy Bull Day. Uh, we've covered a lot of stakes and, you know, only a short, short amount of time, it seems like. So we're going to cover even more of them. It's a big weekend of racing. Make sure you take it in. And we will catch you tomorrow with more Notorious OTV brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Bye-bye.